Welcome yourselves along to We March On with Steve and Tom, the unofficial Southampton FC podcast in partnership with Believe Podcast Network. I say welcome yourselves along. It's great to have you back again. We've got a social media. We're at We March On Pod. Thank you very much for sending us some stuff on there. But I need to introduce my 50% of this beautiful podcast, the one and only Steve Forbes. Welcome to episode 15, mate. Bonjour. <laughs> He's gone how, with French. How, how are we doing, Tom? I am very well, Steve. I am very well. Um, it's just a delight to see your face ready for another catch-up, talking all things Southampton FC. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the Saints chat, um, we Uh-oh. we saw each other... I don't want to say briefly because it wasn't brief. It was for it was for a lovely evening on Saturday following that uh, the loss to Crystal Palace, which we mm-hmm. we probably have to talk about in a bit. But we went to the Lip Hook Carnival, oh. and may I say, what a treat! Yes, uh, it it feels fitting. Uh, what with Halloween being and gone now, um, trick or treat, it felt like a treat. It was different, wasn't it? There was yeah. floats and everything, and I've never seen floats in a market town before. I've never, it's something that's never happened to me. I've never walked through cobbled streets and gone, you know, it really suit this. A bunch of floats of people dressed as Lego <laughs> playing out. Everybody's awesome. <laughs> and everyone trying with the xylophones, trying to work out what pop hit that was. It was uh, Robbie Williams, um, Candy, uh, if anyone was wondering in lip. On the steel drums, it sounded pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It was, look, um, for those that have never witnessed it, neither I or Steve have witnessed it. Um, there were tractors put along people on floats uh, promoting what they were promoting. Um, Sussex Steel made uh, made an appearance. They were the people with the steel pans. And now I look right. at that and think I might take that up. I don't know about you, Steve, but it, it inspired me in many ways. Uh, it did not me. I can't say that <laughs> I looked at anything that happened that evening and went, mm, "There's, there's a new pastime." Uh, it, it, yeah, it was fine. It was, it was fun. It was a good little night out. It wow. felt quite irrelevant. What do you mean? Like, it, like it, what? It made no sense as to like what was the point of the whole thing. I've, I, I couldn't disagree with you more. It's about <laughs> what it is. Is after the lockdown period uh, and COVID. It was the return of the Lip Hook Carnival. People travel. I meant there was like no away. theme. Mate, look, it was the theme. That's what I meant. It wasn't like it was like a Halloween carnival. Everyone dresses up like Halloween stuff or Christmas yeah. carnival, whatever. It didn't it, for me. I didn't see a theme. It was just very no, eclectic. T- I'm, I'm getting there, mate. What you saw was a community, a community spirit, a vibe, an energy, and I won't hear another sort of average uh, sort of take on my lip hook carnival okay listen you're, you're being very night. you're being very rude about the lip hook carnival I'm, i apologize i apologize i'm not meaning to be rude i had a lovely evening can we talk fish, about the issue fish and chips you... aside no no this is what we need to talk about people yeah. ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming back to the podcast um i've never seen a man kick off more um <laughs> Also, at the same time, in a very, you you went through like naught to a hundred, and then es- de-escalated very quickly as well. Um, uh, can I tell the story quickly? Yeah, yeah, feel yeah. free. Um, from being your a, point being of view. A, oh yes, from my my eyes, that what I saw. Um, being at a carnival, it can make you very hungry. Uh, Steve uh, and his better half uh, were hungry, and they decided upon fish and chips. Okay, um, they queued up. Uh, Savaloy was ordered also a battered sausage uh, on 
waiting for this fish and chip. Um, we discussed. Which took many a while, things. by the way. It did, didn't it? And there was yeah. a lot of time to to kill in that. Uh, but a lot of time to batter a sausage as well. Mm, and because when uh, Steve and his excited face opened up that wrapped packet of fish and chips and, and everything, um, he found out it what there was no battered sausage. It was just a sausage, uh, which wasn't even very warm. Uh, you went back. You asked them, what's going on here? They said, oh, we didn't have any more battered sausages. So Steve, in his rage, went, that's not good enough, walked out and gave it to his dog. I mean, you, you flipped. Uh, you went it's, full scotch no, and I loved it. It's I went up to the counter and said, oh, I think there's been a, a mistake. I ordered a battered sausage. Sorry about the misunderstanding. I was very polite about it. Yeah, you and were. Then, and then they looked at me like I was a dickhead. Like I should have known that they wouldn't, they wouldn't have had battered sausages at that time at night. And then the the chap behind the chap behind the counter um, tried to hand me just a bigger sausage. Sure. So he so he was like, "Oh, sorry, here's another sausage." I was like, "No, no, I don't want the bigger sausage. The regular sausage would be fine <laughs> if it was ba- if it was what I ordered." Now, okay, when you go into a fish and chip shop you never used before, you don't know the quality of of what they're using. So if the sausage has been battered. And it was hot, and I'd gone into it and gone, that's ah, not very nice. I'd have gone, well, that's my fault. I've ordered a battered sausage from a random fish and chip shop. But the fact is, it wasn't what I ordered. They didn't give a shit. They were like, well, we ain't got any. And so what I said is, well, you could have told me that as yeah. I was ordering that you didn't mm. have any, and I would have picked something else or not had it. So they weren't going to do anything about it. So as I left the shop, I took one bite out of the sausage, realized it was lukewarm and kind of, you know, when a sausage has been on a heat bed for probably a good couple of hours and it's kind of shriveled and a bit crusty on the outside. I was like, I'm not having that and just chucked it to my dog. When you talk about Luke and sausages um, and having a nibble, I mean, mate, you, you handled it very well. You've, you've summarized it beautifully. Uh, I do think incident. the... I do it, think it's the, marred. It's marred the lip hook carnival for you. Quite it has, it, it has. Well, no, it's marred lip hook, not the carnival. Uh, I just won't be <laughs> frequenting that particular uh, fish and chip shop. It was more the fact that I had to save face or, or maintain my pride amongst the locals who clearly obviously use that place or whatever. And in my disgust, just lobbed my food to the dog and was like, fuck that. And they just were like, I, I've never seen such insolence. No. Do you know what they thought? You were the bougiest man. You've brought your dog a sausage from the fish and chip. They, they actually have put a little plaque up for you asking, does anybody know this man? He treats his dog like a king. And um, <laughs> mate, you're, you're well known around these parts. But yes, what, what an experience. Um, and and do you know what? I- we missed the fireworks because we had to queue so long for that fish and chips. It was not worth it. It it spoiled what was otherwise a great evening and would have been a lovely end to the evening witnessing some fireworks. It would have been. um, However, that Crystal Palace result ruined the day. Then Liphook Carnival brought it back and then it went again. And that's just that just summarises the season so far, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. What else you been up to, Tom? Anything exciting? There is nothing exciting to report. However, I have received... Finally, and thank you so much, uh, my third choice away kit for Southampton. The no, mighty... it was your first choice. It's the third oh. kit. <laughs> You're making it seem like, I asked you for, I gave you three options. That was the bottom of my list and that's the one you got. 
So if, if it sounded like that, I don't mean that. The third choice kit for Southampton is the one I first chose because I love it. It's brilliant. Uh, thank you very much. I will wear it with pride uh, next match I attend. Right, Tom, uh, we have to get this out of the way, unfortunately. Sure. It wasn't, other than our, our carnival experience, it yeah. was it was not a good Saturday for the Southampton men's first team. It, it wasn't, um, Steve. An away trip to Selhurst Park to face Crystal Palace. Um, lots of positivity before the game, doing Saints Live, seeing a lot of fans commenting, saying, you know, often do well against Palace. Um, expecting a, a you know a bit of a spicy game. There's obviously been rivalry in the past between James Ward-Prowse and Wilfred Zaha. Would this have the same feeling of it? Would Lianko start again, given how he performed so bravely um, in in the previous match? And it was very much extinguished. Yeah, within the, within the first forty five minutes, really. Um, it just it just felt like I don't know that the, the team were like got themselves back to a place where confidence could exude. Obviously, a great result against Arsenal. Loads of players putting in great performances. Moy getting or being the man of the match, um, providing an assist. As we said, Lianko simply playing out of his skin and showing so much passion and determination and getting the fans off their seat. And then it was just flat. Against mm. Palace, again, seemed to be so devoid of any sort of creativity. And again, repeating almost week after week of this lack of being able to create chances. And then when they are made, the the the, the few that we get, the two or three per game, are squandered. Yeah. It, mate, it, I think a lot of people heard you on this podcast saying Palace are there for the taking. <laughs> and you G'd everybody up. You took the volume up to about 11. People were excited. We thought we're going to batter Palace. And that first half performance was, it, it was, it was like, it was like, it was like not getting a battered sausage when you've ordered one. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It just felt very disappointing. Uh, and we were on the back foot. We didn't press. We let them have far too much of the ball. Could have been two or three goals down. Second half, different story. But like you say, I could name the two chances that Che Adams had. And you're like, I love that. I love Che Adams. I love the effort he puts in. But FML, <laughs> can that boy not hit a barn door when he needs to and to be fair Gator did did so well with the saves but yeah it was just disappointing didn't take their chances and um yeah another loss it's where we we talked about it before it's Shea is great at snap chances things that mm. opportunities you don't expect Shea to score he scores but the 70 percent of the ones that most Premier League strikers would just tuck under the keeper or round or whatever he hits it straight at them yeah and, and, and there's, there's no excuses. That The one, Joe Rebo dropped it back to him and he's pretty much just either corner but puts it straight at Gator. Um, James Ward-Prowse, again, another meh performance. But <laughs> when he pushed forward and put that ball through to Shea, yeah. he, he took it first time. Maybe he, uh, you know, but he gets himself in those situations. I've said it before. He makes those chances happen. He puts. He's still our right best spot. striker, but then what yeah. does that say about the rest of them? 
that that we're not up to scratch. However, and we will talk about it, the Saints B team, and we'll also talk about the Saints women, those guys can score. Uh, and, uh, get Ella Pusey in the men's team. Thank you. <laughs> get, finally. get her in there. I was um, waiting for you to say it. It's so true. Um, yeah, it was just it was just uh, a bit abject at times, and I feel like it left everyone flat. We've 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 said multiple times. I'm sure this is a feeling amongst a plethora of Saints supporters that if you see the team play really well and yeah. you see them give a hundred percent. I'm not saying they didn't give 100%, but if you if you see them really playing out of their skin, closing down every ball, if yeah. you're not winning, just going after it and like tr- at least making sure your passes are sharp and accurate and not giving the ball away. They gave the ball away so many times again. Um and and you're not going to win every game, but if no. you can say you did everything within your power to try and win that game and gave every bit of effort you possibly could, then fans would get off your back a bit. But it just feels like, not lethargic, that would maybe be the wrong term, but the the tempo and the energy of performances seem to be lower than they have been in the past. When Saints have lost, but they've given everything. We saw it last season, parts of last season, the season before where they played this high press, closed, balls down, closed the ball down in opposition in triangles, won it back, played played with intensity up the park and tried to create an opportunity on the counter. We don't seem to see that anymore from Southampton at the moment. And whether that's a change of tactics based on the squad from Ralph, but it's almost like what we're seeing is if we win it back, play it backwards, play it sideways, try and hold on as long as possible and then we'll try and work it up to the 25-yard the area. If we can get it to Perro or Prousey, we'll whip it in. There tends to only be Shea in the box. So it has to be an amazing cross to find one player. Because even if it knocks itself off a opposition player or there's a rebound, it's not falling to anyone else in the box that doesn't have a Southampton shirt on. Or that does have a Southampton shirt on, uh, I should say. So, I don't know. It's just like there's not that same level of dynamism as we've yeah. seen before well he actually said that uh, and I'm, I'm butchering the words but the quote was about the fact he some players just can't get up to, you know get, uh, not up for the game they're not not to the level they need to be at, at match time and a lot of fans have said well that that's on you then Ralph but you mm. know for example Diallo no not up to scratch not giving the ball away too many times However, uh, we know that he's playing because Romeo Lavia is not and is not quite fit. And uh, the <laughs> the on Twitter, what are these comments? So Lavia, this is all caps locks. Right. Uh, so shout locks. it, Tom. So Lavia wasn't in the team yesterday, but is fit enough to start today. That is about the Saints B team. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and you're kind of like, look, Ralph put that team out. I thought that was a good enough side mm. that, we, that we had at, at his disposal. And it didn't work. They didn't take the chances when they should have done. We were not up up to speed in that first half. Second half, much better. Stewie Armstrong had that shot against the post. Could have been different. Could have been 2-1 Saints. Or, or it could have been 3-0 in the first half to Palace. It's just exactly like you say. If Saints look fired up for it, we can take a loss. But that just felt like another 45 minutes where we were cack. There's a word I haven't <laughs> used before. We were cack. Not good enough. Second half, much better. And you would feel like, well, we could have beaten Palace if we'd have just turned is up. Is this in the that issue, though, half. Tom? Is that we we tend to be a team of of one half, where we're either great in the first half and shambolic in the second, or shambolic in the first half and great in the second. But by the time the damage is done from the first half, 
we can't win yeah. it in the second half, or by the time we have had a great first half, we're shambolic in the second and give the match away. I, I, I don't know what Ralph can do other than say, guys, we need to be a full 90 minutes. I don't know what he can do. He's supposed to be the, the manager, the coach that can, can inspire the players, but it's just, it's just not working. But I wouldn't take to Twitter and be like, that's it. That's it. Because we believe as a Southampton fan uh, that, that we should be beating Palace mm. and we're not. And I think we're beginning to believe, understand how much of an average side we are at the moment. There's room for improvement, and someone like Mara or Mary coming in uh, has got the opportunity to maybe score some goals. But you know, yeah, it, it's the grass is always greener. I think this is our av- this is this is as good as we are uh, at the moment. Does that does that concern you, Tom? I know we're going to have a break for the World Cup, but we've got two tough games to come. One of which we'll we'll talk about in a bit, um, and then there'll be a break for the World Cup. It's got to be full throttle from from the end of December onwards. But based on the first, what, third of the season, Mm. uh, where's your confidence levels at in terms of actually still being in the Premier League next year? Oh, do you know what? I saw saw a a comment from Rangers uh, talking about Joe Rebo going, oh, disappointment just around the corner. All of this effort, he's always wanted to play in the Premier League and now he might get relegated. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth, Rangers, right? <laughs> Give us a little bit of time. Um, I, I, I don't fear relegation, I, I, maybe because I'm too positive, but I feel like this is a team that on their day can, could, should have beaten Palace. We're a should have team at the moment, not we're for the drop. It, I think there's been some fantastic performances from individuals. Um, and it, it, like Perro, like he's been amazing left back. I think Salisu has been looking brilliant. Lavia just before he got injured, amazing. James Ward-Prowse needs to up his game. Uh, maybe, maybe the World Cup, him not going, will will be like, all right, cool. Sod, sod Gareth Southgate and the rest of the England team. I'm, I'm going to start putting in some performances to, that deserve to be an England call up. I, I, so I don't fear the drop. I'm, I'm actually very optimistic that things will get better. Do you think that World Cup break could actually be a boost for the team? Because let's let's face it. How many of that squad are actually going to the World Cup? You're going to have Salisu will go with with mm. Ghana. Um, Shaleta Saar might get into the the Croatia team. Yeah, he's looked very good. Yeah, should do. It, Scotland didn't qualify, obviously. No. Um, it doesn't. Cole Walker Peters could have been in with a chance, but but he's now out injured. It doesn't look like Gareth fancies Prousey. Based on form. Uh, yeah, you'd say that he, he probably doesn't deserve to go, even though I think he was robbed of of, of going to the last tournament. Um, mm. I thought he was excellent before before Euro twenty twenty. Is is there uh, a chance for ABK because because he has talked and about the, him well, and Lavia we, coming back into the Newcastle match? They're in they're in the the option to to play. You've got you've got uh, Bella Kotchap has only made one senior appearance for Germany as a substitute. Would he go to the World Cup? Potentially, probably not though. Uh, considering the quality in that squad, Lavia is he a senior Belgian player? I think he's on, he's on the if he's not in the fringes or he's not playing. And then he, he'll look look there. at who they've got in there. They've got Tielemans, Kevin De Bruyne. Like he's it's going to be a real slog for him to try and get into get into that squad for the World Cup. Um, so what you're I'm, suggesting is a real bonding time for all of the Saints well, players. What I'm, exactly. Well, what I'm saying is that I'm sure there will be. They're not just going to allow players to have six weeks off, are they? They'll have a cup, they have a no. week, week or two, 
to go on holiday, you know, chill out a little bit. Then they'll come back and it'll be work back to work again. And if a lot of the team aren't away, if there's only two or three players that end up going with their international sides to the World Cup, is that going to be a boost for Southampton to not be training with a depleted squad and having almost everyone at Staplewood and get almost a month of no competitive games to get them singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. I, I, listen, we can we can be as optimistic as we possibly can be. We have to see it as a good good thing. The fact that we don't play in Europe each year, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we we don't have Champions League football, we, we, it, it goes to, and so many internationals having to leave all the time. But we need to turn that into an advantage, not as a oh, it makes no difference whatsoever. Let's let's make that opportunity of the World Cup. A, um, a chance for for the, the the players to bond a bit more and and maybe learn how to shoot from the uh, Saints B team. Well, on that, Tom, uh, we have got a couple of Premier League games to go until the World Cup. But as you mentioned, uh, the Southampton B team are in action. Could have fooled me; it was the B team. Looking at that <laughs> starting lineup. Um, Again, something probably some fans commented on on social media about, but they played the Middlesbrough under-21s on Sunday and smashed them, Yeah, is really the only way to describe that. Mate, absolutely smashed them. Um, Here's the thing, the lineup. I'll read it to you. McCarthy in goal, Payne, uh, very, very uh, exciting young player. Uh, Larios, um, Lawrence, Lancashire, Maitland-Niles was in the team, Mara, Lavia, Walcott, the captain, of course, experience, Gineppo, Anadozi, um, and some of them actually played against Palace or got some minutes. Um, I mean, but Adozi, yes, might have tweaked something, potential injury. Fans were quite right to say, if Lavia's ready to play that game, why didn't he play in the Palace? My personal opinion is, well, because Palace is a Premier League game and this is a Premier League B match. So... Totally different levels of quality. Exactly. Like the intensity is different. The quality is different. Lavia hasn't played in what, two months? Yeah. He's going to need to get some minutes under his belt at almost like a practice level without the crowd as well, because it was played at Staplewood, I believe. Um, So, yeah, that's a load of nonsense. People are idiots. The fact that they're saying, oh, he's fit enough to start that and not the game against Palace. It's, he needs to get those. Yeah. Total venting. Yeah. Yeah. Total whinge about it. But look, what I love about this, from a personal opinion, that is a very strong Saints B team. It's a load of players that are on the fringes, or if not, like someone like Maitland-Niles played against Bournemouth, did 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 well there, almost had his leg broken. Um, but from a horrendous tackle from the Bournemouth player, Bournemouth player. But those players that are on the fringes are getting some minutes under their belts and it only builds confidence. How good is that, that Theo Walcott scored a hat-trick, Mara scored four goals, that just boosts their confidence. Like, you remember how to score. Yeah, brilliant. Cool. Now take it into the to the next Premier League match. Just like, take that into the Championship in 2023-24 oh, and they'll be no. absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true that, but look, we've got a cup match coming up against Sheffield Wednesday. I know we're going to look ahead to Newcastle, but, you know, these players on the fringes need minutes under their belt and boost, it just builds confidence. Oh, we 100%. know we can score. That's, that's totally right. I think for players... Maybe not Walcott, but certainly for for Seiku Mara, he's he's he sc- he did have the ball in the back of the net for Southampton, 
uh, in a game. Unfortunately, it was ruled out for for offside. But he's yet to get a senior goal for the Saints. Knowing that he can bang four past Middlesbrough's under 21s, you're right. It will give him that little bit of a bit of confidence and edge that knows that he can do it in a in a match. It's all right hitting them in training and scoring against your teammates because no one's trying to chop you down uh, when you when you're creating space to to try and score from. So for him to get four is great. Give him some confidence. I really like Mara. I think he 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 could become an excellent player. Um, he just needs time. Adaptation time as well is key. He's come from a different league, a different level. He's young. He's only 20 years old. He's going to take time, but has the the makings of a very good striker. And uh, the other the other real massive positive, even though we're, we're laughing the fact that fans said, oh, why is he not able to start against Palace, is Romeo Lavia is back. Like, yeah. he, he's playing. Whether he'll start against Newcastle, I don't know. Whether he'll come off the bench... If he's involved in the matchday squad, he still might not be Premier League level. However, what a boost that will be to have Lavia back. He, for me, in my opinion, him and Carl Walker-Peters, in my opinion, have been the most important players for Southampton this season. And it has it has been highlighted beyond belief at the lack of depth when they've both been out of the team, in my opinion. The fact that... With Kyle is able to operate on either flank. So when Tino was out uh, right back, or when Tino was in, he was playing left back. When Perro was out, then when, when Tino's out, he's moved back to right back. Still done a stellar job. And then we're playing a centre back at right back now, or we're playing a winger at right mm. back, or a midfielder at right back. We don't have the depth there um, to cover for Kyle. So it's, it's shown how important he is. And again, having that, that linchpin in the midfield to be able to link the defence with the midfield and the attack, breaking up play, um, ruining spells of possession for the opposition is something that Lavia did so well in his first month as a Saints yeah. player. And um, as soon as he's back, I, I think, you know, we could see a different Saints team. A Saints team that can control games more. Because what I felt, we talked about it against Palace and, and previous games, giving the ball away far too much. Prousey almost having to do everything. His game levels dropped because he's having to do so much. Having Lavia back just gives that little bit of freedom back to Prowse. He takes the pressure off him slightly. Yeah, I mean, when he ran forward against Palace um, and played that ball through to Sheridan's, you're like, oh, that's going to be an assist for a goal. Okay, it wasn't to be. However, uh, there's two, two things when you were talking there, Steve. I was like, well, I've got two questions for you. Should that many first team players be in the Saints B team? That's the mm. question that people are asking. What people love about Lavia is he passes the ball forward um which which is what we need just to be moving forward that's a classic football fan it's like why are we passing the ball sideways we don't need it and you're totally right about this Kyle Walker Peter thing that that I think because Lianco played against Arsenal probably Maitland-Niles that they, they, is in there and I think because Belakochova is out we could have probably had three centre-backs um against Arsenal uh with Maitland-Niles playing as a, as a winger with uh Perot, like in that kind of uh, LWB or RWB. So I think I think the options have been uh, tested. But personally, and I want your take on it, I love the fact that these players were thrown in to the B team because that's what they're there for. Get some minutes, get some confidence. This is a team that don't doesn't have a lot of confidence. So let's let's get some. For me, it worked. Um, so I want your take on that. And also, Steve, 
what do you think? You're the manager. You're Ralph. Are you playing Lavia against Newcastle? Um, I'll go with your your first question in terms of do I think senior players should be in the B team? Um, yes, there is an argument to say that you know it takes opportunities away from younger players being able to you know get their experience in this Premier League two. But the way that Southampton are playing and also the rules around the game being able to do that, why not? If you're mm. a fringe player and you can't get time in in the first team. Uh, in in Premier League one matches, um, then why not be able to to play against slightly lesser opposition and 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 do that? I know I know there will be people saying that well you're playing against under twenty ones, it's like men against boys, but they're gonna have to get used to it at some point, aren't they? You know what I mean? Mm. It's not life isn't fair, and and if you're allowed to do it, then take advantage to what's going to be um, advantageous to your own team. Secondly, when it comes to Lavia, should he play against Newcastle? If he's fit enough, 100%. If he is fit enough to play, regardless of not having match sharpness, other than the Middlesbrough game, 100%. He's the best option in that midfield. I, I, I can't simplify it any other way. I'm trying to think of analogies of what it would be like not to use it. But it, it, it would just be silly not to. I love that. This is a quote. It would just be silly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Stephen Forbes. Um, Here is that moment. Pardon? That's my whole name. Have you not got a middle name? I do. Okay. But you never call me Stephen. You always say Steve. Oh, I'm sorry. uh... And it's Stephen with a PH, by the way. If it is. Is it? By what's on my bank card. Yeah. No, I've never known that. I've always in my head seen as you were, as an S T E V E N. Um all right. Uh welcome to the uh Saints trivia question of the week. Yeah. You Poor. have no right to be lambasting me on my goes with that effort. I did it badly so that it was comedy content. Okay. Please name this player. Um, obviously, just as a little um, heads up, uh, Saints are playing Newcastle next. I thought about what player came to mind when I thought Saints, Newcastle. What player has moved back and forth? Came up with this player. You might not get it, but here we go. It's not really for you. It's for everyone who listens. Okay. Name the player that has played for Newcastle and Southampton. I'll give you his career. He started off at Sunderland making 173 appearances, two goals. He then moved to Liverpool, 110 appearances, one goal. Moved to Newcastle United, 109 appearances, one goal. He then moved to Galatasaray, eight appearances, no goals. He then moved to Southampton and made 24 appearances in 1995 to 1997. Can you name that player? Enjoy your mini break. All right then, Steve. Um, it's a tough. It's a tough question. Played for Sunderland, Liverpool, Newcastle, Galatasaray, and Southampton. He played for Southampton during the 1995-1997 season, playing 24 times. England international twice. Uh, here's a little bit of context for you. He was also made into a Southampton Corinthian football model. Uh, just to throw that out there. Uh, he then moved on after his um, playing days uh working for sky sports and then from 1997 to 2002 for itv 
Um, great lad, uh, famous for a particular haircut. Can you name this player, Steve? A particular haircut. This is going to sound really bad because I think what I'm focusing on is the Southampton element of his career and I probably should be thinking more about the Newcastle and Sunderland element of his career. Oh, he was a legend at Newcastle. How many, how many games he played. And going from Sunderland to, to Newcastle... Oh, um, dangerous. He went to Liverpool there, first, so everyone Liverpool. probably forgot about his Sunderland days. Um, oh my god! Uh, my, can I give you a clue? I think I th- I'm going to guess, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. But it's the haircut element that you yeah. said. Yeah. And Do you want to know which particular haircut? All right. A mullet. Oh, okay, it's not the player I was thinking of then. <laughs> um, and like when I just think like. Geordie and, and and Southampton, I thought Kevin Keegan, but obviously that's way, way before that time. Yeah. Um, a mullet. He won the FA Cup in 1988-89, FA Charity Shield, 86, um, 88, 89 and 1990. Oh, and he won the Football League First Division uh, for Liverpool twice. I mean, this is clearly a very famous player. Mm-hmm. But not and really I, for Southampton. <laughs> and not really for Southampton. And I can't think of anyone. Liverpool to Newcastle in the late 80s. Yeah. Liverpool to Newcastle. Uh, no, nah, mate. I, honestly, my mind is blank. If I give you the initials BV, any ideas? No. Oh, no. Barry Venison. I was going <laughs> to... What were you going to say? Well, I was trying to think of anyone with a B. I was like, Barry Venables. I was, <laughs> I would have been... <laughs> oh, mate. There he is. The blonde mullet. There you go. That is your question uh, for this week. Barry no, Venables. You know, you know what? I, would ne- I wouldn't have got that ever. I don't, I don't even remember him. Even, <laughs> play, even playing football. Mate. He's he's there in a Saints kit with a Lucasade blue and yellow water bottle. Yeah, Legend. That, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, the <laughs> fact he had such a prolonged career at at three massive clubs. I mean, I've got a picture here, which I'm showing you, where he's not even looking at the ball as he's kicking it. <laughs> he's a I legend. Mean, yeah. I, I honestly mate, I would I would never would have got that in a million years. So what a great, great question for, for this week's half time. <laughs> Thomas Deacon. It is Thomas in the traditional sense with a T and an H. Uh, Now we found out that you're a PH. Uh, Talk to me about those levels. Uh, I am a Thomas, yes. TH. Yeah. Yeah. TH and PH, it was meant to be. Thank you um, very much. Yes. Let's talk about now, Newcastle, mate. Come on. Just get it yeah. over and done with. It is not going to be points for Southampton. That's my take on it. But please, uh, take it from the top. Yeah, Newcastle riding high in the Premier League at the moment, sitting fourth on 24 points. That's just two behind Spurs um, in third place. Pep Guardiola saying that, Newcastle are genuine contenders for those Champions League places this year. They've certainly looked very good in the last months or so. Um, have drawn quite a few games, which, yeah. you know, 
it's, it's, it's not all been rosy. I mean, they've still, they've won a fair few. They've won six, drawn six. But the key thing is they've only lost one, right? Yeah. Um, and they've only conceded 10 goals all season yeah, in and, the Premier League. And in October, they've only let in three. So we've got, I mean, for a team that cannot score, we create chances, but do not score. This one is going to be very tough. The last time they had uh, an opposition well, they got a, they didn't score. Was against Man United a nil nil draw. So this this mm. one, I think, mate, is going to be very tough. The only positive in this I can see is the fact that um, their forgotten player that's moved out of position, Jolington, is uh, is out. He's got too many bookings. So there is a chance that Southampton won't get absolutely thrashed. <laughs> that's po- <laughs> that is positive because since he's been deployed more as a midfielder than than when he first joined the club as a striker, he has looked a completely different player. Mm. So strong, fast, um, energetic. He, he's a, he's a great great player um, for Newcastle in that position. They have got Miguel Almiron, who's having the season of his life now for the club, uh, disproving Jack the- Jack Grealish's theory that he was pants um, <laughs> that he said at the. Uh, what was it? The Man City's title winning, uh, what's it called? Parade? Yeah. Last year when Jack Grealish clearly had a few too many Heinekens. Um, but yeah, Miguel Miguel Amaron having an absolutely fantastic season. Kieran Trippier doing, doing brilliantly as well. Do you know what I kind of love about this Newcastle team? I know this is a Saints podcast. I'm having a little bit of a Newcastle loving just now. I, because I, I, I'll, I'll say my loving as well. So you fire away, Steve. They, they are nostalgic to me. I remember growing up watching football... In the early, ni- well, the, basically the 90s into the early 2000s, and you had the likes of Ginola, Shearer, Batty, all playing for, we, we'll, we'll forget the tightest Bramble years, but before before that era, um, they were so good. They're in the Champions League, like Newcastle are a massive club, and they're the sort of club that you everyone always says, oh, Newcastle are a massive club, and they're like, well, they've done nothing for the best part of 20 years. Um but I love them for that sense. I think they're such a got such a rich history. Their fans are amazing. Their grounds amazing. The city's amazing. Um, and what I kind of love about this particular team is, on paper, you look at them and go, "Oh, they're mid table. Yep. They got nothing. They're nothing special." And they are delivering. They are bringing the business week in, week out. And I can't fault them. I actually can't even hate Newcastle. Yep. Like, I can hate other teams in the division. I hate Arsenal. I hate Chelsea. I hate Liverpool. Like I hate Man City. I don't. I don't. Hate's a strong word, but I don't really like these teams. I, I actually really like Newcastle, and if they do well, I'm like whatever. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think Eddie Howe, uh, very good manager. It didn't work out for him at Burnley, and you're like, this is a guy that coaches players. He takes them out of position puts him in a new position and goes, look, just do everything I told you. Uh, you've got the the raw talent, the skill level. Just do that. It'll work. And it does. And Eddie Howe is doing really well at Newcastle. Had a bit of budget this year to get some 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 good players. Um, and yeah, you can't begrudge them for the fact that they're doing well. You did mention their, their stadium. It is the worst stadium for an away fan. It is proper nosebleed territory up there. <laughs> it was a different altitude. I felt like I'd been to the Himalayas. You know, when you get like that altitude sickness, that's what it's like <laughs> at the yeah. tune. But also one of the best grounds. It's right in the centre of the city. I flew up there. Uh, sorry, Greta. Um, I flew up there <laughs> a couple of years back when uh, Danny Ng scored um, and it finished 2-1 to Newcastle. But you know what? I arrived at 9.30 in the morning. By the time I got into the centre of town, it's just just on it. 
uh, with other Saints fans and and wandering about. There's a brilliant Irish centre, great Guinness before the game. I love the city. I think the people are brilliant. Great fun. Can't can't knock them as a team. So I'm I'm totally on board with you. However, when it comes to a Saints podcast, how on earth are Saints going to get any points against them? Um, luck on the day. Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully there's some a red card, some VAR decisions <laughs> go away, something like that. It's it, tough, and and like I said, it's. You look at the team on paper, and yes, they've got talented players, but you said they spent a lot of money, which they did. A lot of their budget went on Alexander Isak, their striker, who I, I think is injured. I'm not sure. I'll have to double-check. But Sven Botman from Lille, like, it doesn't strike you as as we're gunning for the Champions League. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I know they spent, spent a lot of money on, on, on other individuals as well, but it's just... You're right. I think Eddie Howe is is performing so well and it's actually lovely to see because a club like Newcastle could have said to Eddie Howe, get us to the end of last season, keep us in the division and then see you later and gone after like a an Ancelotti or gone after a Unai Emery or someone like that, you know what I mean? Tried to, a, a Poch or whoever and tried to get in a big name manager to come and uh, be the new face of this uh, Saudi-backed um, Goliath of a club that yeah. were, they're going to go forward, but they haven't. They've stuck with Eddie Howe. His methods are paying off. They look excellent. And there's probably Southampton fans who were listening to this who've gone, "I'm not fucking having this anymore." Just talking about how good Newcastle are is depressing enough as it is. Yeah, but, but you've got you've got to give credit. You've got to give them their due. You've yeah. got to give them their due. They've they've been amazing this year. Um, and and I like the way that they're doing things. I don't agree necessarily with the human rights aspect of the, the country that backs them. But I like the way that they're managing the club. Um, and they're not just chucking so much money at it and getting players in for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, and getting players in who are only there for the cash. Three or four years, I'm out. I've made generational wealth. See you later. Yeah. They're getting the right players in who want to be part of the project, who are passing the tests and who are clearly coming into the side and, and, and performing brilliantly. And then they're getting the best out of players that were looking under par under the previous regime. And Callum Wilson looks a different player this year. And I know he's had his injury problems, but he looks great. You've even got players like Dan Burns. When he was at Brighton, you were like, yeah, he's an all right Premier League defender, but he's nothing special. He looks class. Yeah. Um, he, d- he did play a left back position at Brighton. So when everyone's like, oh, he's pushed out to the left back, uh, that he's, he's not common to that position. He, d- he did play a bit of Brighton in that position, but a left back uh, with a Southampton connection, Matt Target. Uh, we always thought he was a good yeah. player at, at Saints. Um I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, Isaac, the Swedish international, is out injured at the moment. It just works for me. I like this team. It's going to be tricky for Southampton. But the only way we do create chances, not basically what's going to happen is for 145 minutes, chances won't be created. And you're like, this is the worst team I've ever seen. The next (laughs) 45 minutes will be like, we could have scored three or four here. So... I'm I'm eagerly anticipating this game because it'll be it'll be a real test of of where we are as a team just before we go into that World Cup period. I think what's scary is uh, Newcastle's defensive record, really mm. more more than anything. Um, I'm trying to find who they've played in the last few games. You highlighted the nil nil against Manchester United. They've obviously just smashed Villa four um, nil. Tottenham 2-1, Everton 1-0, again 0-0 against Manchester United, 5-1 against Brentford, 
um, 4-1 against Newcastle. They're not a team that's conceding a lot of goals. And I think that could be a big problem because, yes, they're scoring a lot against teams down the bottom of the table, but they're getting valuable draws against those teams nearer the top and in in the middle. And it will be how does Southampton break that down without giving away a goal. I think that can be a really crucial part of the game. Being at St Mary's is different. We thought we were going to lose to Chelsea. We thought we were going to lose to Arsenal and we didn't, you know. Mm. So it's not all doom and gloom. I'm not saying that Newcastle are going to roll into town and absolutely steamroller Southampton. Um, I I think far from it. I think they're a very well-organised, decent outfit this year. Will be very hard to beat. It's not not doable. No. Um, I think Southampton really based off of Crystal Palace, would have to pull their fingers out and put in the performance probably of the season so far. Yeah, they definitely, unlike Crystal Palace in that first 45 minutes, turn up at the beginning and get stuck in. Otherwise, yeah, it could be a very, very long day. Right, Tom, so we'll move on from the disparaging feeling around the the men's first team at the moment to the women's first team um yeah applause applause there um we did uh we highlighted sorry the the women's team on a on a previous episode we haven't really touched too much on on how they've been getting on in the women's championship of late and it is very well is basically how they've been getting on third in the division um can, can keeping a lot of clean sheets in the last few games. It's obviously not been an easy transition because when they were in the Southern Premier, they were smashing teams for fun, um, scoring countless goals. It's not quite been the same, but what I think is, is amazing is they are not looking out of their depth by any margin here. No, not at all. Uh, you raise a very good point. Yes, last season was a lot of fun. In in a division below, now you step up into the championship. They've signed some players with quality, international experience, and experience of the championship. And the fact that it's 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 the clean sheets that are coming. Kayla Rendell doing an amazing job. She's had an opportunity with the England setup to go and uh, learn, develop, um, and just standing out week in week out, making some fabulous saves. And someone like. Pussy, we mentioned her earlier in this uh, podcast, scoring the goals. Yes, not steamrolling teams, not like two, three or four goals, but getting the goals when they matter and just shutting up shop behind. It's just been, it's been fantastic, mate. It's been brilliant to, to watch them. Listen, one one nil is still three points, isn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't really matter if you're in one nil or five nil, it's still three points. So they're getting the points on the board they're they're doing so well. Like I said, third in the table. Their actual uh, form record is one four drawn two loss one. Now, for a team that's brand new to mm. this division, it's not like they've been there before and dropped down and bounced back or whatever. They're brand new to this division. That's excellent. Um, goal goals record, as we've said, they've not been smashing teams for fun. So they've got eight goals but conceded six. So. A lot of one nil wins. The last three, I think, have been have been one nil victories. Um, next up, they got Coventry, um, who they actually lost to in the in the women's league cup. Uh, but I think, regardless, no one was really expecting this team to go up and qualify for the WSL straight away. No, 
No one was really expecting that. It was ba- it was about holding your own in a in a big in, in a division above a big jump, and I think they're proven they can do it. And I think one thing that any everyone wanted, any Saints fan and people that have gone down to the Snow Stadium to watch the women play or been to St Mary's to see them on occasion, is that you just want to see them stay in that division, do well, and build. Build as a women's team, build as a club and 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 move forward positively and make those, albeit incremental steps, but important steps to not only become a better team, but also raise the profile of the women's game around the country, but on the South Coast. Um, and I feel in doing so creates more cohesion within the club between the teams. Like you don't just think of Southampton and think, oh yeah, they're a, 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 a mid-table Premier men's Premier League team you go Southampton yeah their women's team are fantastic oh 100% and it, it's just a a real feel-good factor the fact that uh Newcastle game uh meant that the uh, Coventry game had moved to St Mary's it's just it's great the fact that the England women's Euro trophy was there for fans to go and take pictures alongside it's just it's just it's just positivity it's a real good feel-good factor and Marion Spacey Kale uh, said she just wants to see improvement every game and that's definitely happening uh, with that team and um, yeah I, I do you know what I haven't been down to see them yet but I I did last season and I really want to go and watch them because yeah it, it's so different as a fan of your team if you go to watch the men's team, the negativity as soon as the game's over, we don't even look at the positive re- reactions to things that have happened on the pitch. We're just straight in with the, this isn't good enough. Whereas with the women's game, you go, hey, look, we might not have got all three points there, but we did this well. It, it's about building towards the next game and knowing that it's a whole season, not just the next five games. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. And I think another point is as well, is that when you're a fan of a club, in my opinion, you're not just a fan of the men's team. You're a fan of the club. Yeah. So it, you shouldn't have misogynistic views of go, oh, I support Saints, but I'm not interested in that women's football malarkey. Like, you support Southampton. So that means you support Southampton's men's team. That support, you support Southampton's women's team. That means you support Southampton's B team. They're under 18s. They're academy. You you support the club. Yeah. As as that's In, in my opinion, that's, that's what you do. So if the women's team are performing well, Yes, people may be despondent about the about how the men are doing in their in their division. Nip on down to Totten. Yeah, lift lift your spirits. Go and watch the women's team, or go and see you some know, goals at St Mary's. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think like I think Southampton have done an excellent job in raising the profile of their women's team. I think that. They're doing all the right things when it comes to promotion and social media. And again, one of the um, not founders is the wrong word. Pioneers of of getting the um, getting the women's team to play at the the main club stadium. We've seen WSL clubs follow suit. Mm. I, there's obviously been other clubs. I don't know who started it, but Southampton to me looked like one of the first teams that did that. Yeah. Um, and then we saw at the start of this WSL season, Chelsea had a game um, at their main stadium and Man United had a game at their at Old Trafford and um, and Liverpool did it at Anfield. And so it, the steps are being made, and it seems like from clubs lower down the divisions, to really kind of put the onus on the clubs 
at the forefront of the women's game in the WSL to, to do the same thing. And I think that's that's right. You're still, a, uh, when you're in the championship and when you're in the WSL, you're, you're a professional football player. Go, you go from being part-time to full-time. And I think you should be treated as such. Mm. 100%. Um, 100%, and, mate. It, it, and yeah, I think it's fantastic. And uh, there was a job opportunity. I didn't tell you about this, mate, but uh, there was mm. a job opportunity for the academy team at Southampton uh, women's and uh, main women's team. Um, I was going to put my CV uh, in the ring. What, to coach? No, not to coach, mate. Basically logistics, basically logistics, like making sure the fixtures are sorted, uh, the the games set up, the managers, the, 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 the coaches have got everything. Basically just do everything that isn't on the side of, um, making sure that you know that like, tactics or anything like that i mean we're talking yeah. pure logistics was going to put my cv in uh but it did say one of the the key ingredients they needed from this uh job applicant was organization so um <clears throat> so i didn't i didn't didn't bother putting it in yeah because uh, it's pretty pretty ropey but um i, I mean for someone that keeps a, a calendar on their wall and, and uses a, a biro to cross off when they can and can't do stuff i'd say organization <laughs> is not your strong point uh steve forbes we come to the end of another podcast and uh you got the last mugging me off in there uh beautifully uh, i wish you all the best for the rest of the week mate what's coming up uh what is coming up this week in london a few days um at home a couple of days then i've got um the newcastle match at st mary's on the weekend nothing out of the ordinary had had a design visit from for some built-in cupboards to go into the, That's go where into I'll the stop lounge. You there. That is where I'll stop you there. It's F1 Esports again for me. <laughs> no cupboard chat. Uh, listen, uh, Saints Brass are already putting their instruments close to their mouths, uh, ready to play. Uh, so Steve, it's been a delight on this podcast, episode 15. Uh, if you are listening and you would like to get in touch, make sure you do so. Uh, we march on pod. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe and don't be put off by the cupboard chat that is never ever going to happen again on this podcast listen it's painted wood they're going to be delightful <laughs> play us <laughs> out in Saints january brass play quickly <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>